You know, I was supposed to do that little jump thing at the end, but tweaked a little something in my back. Uh, my back hurts just watching it, actually. I'm at the point now in my age, my, my back hurt just watching Jim jump off the platform, and so I was like, ooh. It's, uh, at least some lumbar support. Anybody else know? Hey, can we get up for the team real quick? That was amazing. Great job. Love, uh, and just love this series. Love to have fun in church. Today we're talking about this idea of hope. We have high, high hopes. Do you have hope in your life? One of the things that would, would keep us from living a life of faith or, or hope or something to look forward to uh, would be a little thing called failure. How many of you know when life doesn't quite meet your expectations, you can begin to lose some hope. Things just don't always live up to what you think they're going to be. Anybody ever got a puppy and it turned into a dog? You know what I mean? I'm just, <laughs> like it's great, it's awesome, it's cute, but it's in the store or the breeder or somebody else's house, but then there's just poop everywhere. You know what I mean? I mean, it really is. Like you just, you own that thing. And another thing that you, you own that you can't get rid of is, is kids. You know what I mean? You just think, you think, it's gonna be great. And then there's just poop everywhere and, <laughs> and you can never give them back. You know what I mean? They're just here. I love Bentley and Kingston, but you know, they're just here for, for life. Just things that don't quite meet expectations. I got the team to pull together a few fail picks, just things that didn't quite meet expectation. Let's, let's look at these this morning together, have a little fun in church, you know? Little birthday party for the kids. Gonna make some cupcakes, saw it on Pinterest, little Instagram, and then it turns out like this. Like, that's scary. <laughs> Next one, speaking of scary. Huh. It's weird. It's creepy. It's like a horror movie, you know what I mean? It's like, like something out of the movie It or something. I don't know. Keep going, a couple more. Yeah, this one I don't really know. I don't really know. So sweatshirt, sweatpants, fail. Good idea, I could see where they were going. They were trying to do like a onesie sweat thing and just kind of miss the, miss the mark. Looks like something from like uh, Star Wars or something, you know what I mean? Just I don't know how many legs you have there. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> That's funny, let's do a little spiritual one for the church people in here. Just fails. Huh. No. Little lesson on that screen is just stop being a weird Christian. You know what I mean? Just, just don't be weird. Just a goal not to be weird. Just some fails in life. When things don't quite meet your, your expectation. We had, we had a fail uh, a few years ago uh, at Action Church. And uh, uh, we were having at the movies, which now we call lights, camera, action. And it was early on. You know when you're, when you're early on in something, you're just trying to do your best. And we, we were balling on a budget. Anybody ever balled on a budget? You know, it just doesn't quite look the way that you think that it would look. And we did costumes like we do now at Action Church. But we just were, we, we had a little budget and we, had, we were missing some vision piece. And, uh, and I walked out, I think it was 2015, 2016, getting ready for the first service. And I see two characters, but they're, they're, they're just not quite right. Just, just a little bit lacking of the expectation that I had. It was Darth Vader and Yoda. The problem was Darth Vader was about four foot eight, and Yoda was six six. <laughs> and I'm not like a Star Wars buff or anything, but I walked in and I, and I talked to our team and I said, guys, last time I checked, Yoda was like little. Darth Vader was intimidating. <laughs> 
We have a kid in a Darth Vader uniform. It's literally hanging off him. And Yoda's uniform costume comes up to about right here. Just green hands, skin. It was just, just a fail. It just didn't quite meet expectation. I don't know about you. In life, when, when it doesn't go the way that I think that it should go, I have a tendency, I have a tendency to lose some, some hope. I wrote down in my notes, failing can crush our hope. How many of us never dream of what could be because of a fear of failure? Do you not hope anymore because you don't want to be disappointed again? Just stop believing for things. Stop trying to achieve things. Just can't handle any more disappointment. I can't handle any more hope not being fulfilled. Do you not take risks on God because you feel as though you could be wrong or he could be wrong? You know, what happens in life when, when it doesn't meet up to our expectations? See, the enemy, here's the, here's the goal of the enemy. You gotta catch this as we jump in today talking about it. The, the enemy wants us to fail and then change our expectations. So he, he puts these things in our life, these temptations and these shortcomings and causes us to, to do these things. And when we fail, he wants us to lower our view of God. He wants us to lower our view of ourself and he wants us to change our expectations. He wants to hope us to hope for less. He wants to change our expectations. Get this church, God wants to change our focus. The enemy wants us to, to focus on the results or the expectations not fulfilled. God wants us to focus on the process and on the person of his son, Jesus. There's a difference. You say, Pastor, I, I have lost some things. Maybe you lost a job in this season. Maybe you have a child that is running from God. Maybe a close friend let you down. Maybe you're in a, a relationship or a marriage that's had tragedy or trauma or abuse. Maybe you've had people walk out on you. If you're young in here, maybe you didn't make the degree program or the team, didn't get into that college. I just know in my life there's been some seasons where I've lost some, some hope. Maybe you find yourself today losing some hope and some things. The Bible speaks to this in Proverbs chapter 13. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Like when we lose our, when we lose our sense of, of expectation, we lose our, our hope, we lose our, our joy, we, we get sick. But a longing fulfilled, a, a vision fulfilled, a, an expectation fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe my assignment for the next 25 minutes or so today is just to plant some seeds of hope in your life some seeds of hope in your relationship, some seeds of hope in your future and in your calling that I believe God will begin to water and grow into trees of life and joy and hope and faith and boldness. But I need to challenge you today that we gotta change our expectation level. We gotta have some higher hopes for our future and for our life because God's not changing and most of the time, our faith is where he meets us at. Let me say it this way. God meets us at the level of our expectation. But where is your hope and where is your faith and what is it placed in? And my goal for us today is to just make it a little bit higher. Higher hope in the, the things of God. There's three uh, lines in this song that I want to highlight use the lyrics today, and I think it's the most powerful part of the song. Uh, it says, burn your biography, 
rewrite your history and light up your wildest dreams. And that's my goal for us today, that we would burn our biography, we're gonna talk about that in just a moment, rewrite our history or allow God to rewrite our history and begin to dream again, light up your wildest dreams. Isaiah 43, this is Isaiah the prophet writing to the people of God who are in captivity in Babylon. He's writing them, he says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And this is a a big broad brush stroke because he knows human nature, they would have been dwelling on their past before they were in captivity. So God doesn't want you to dwell on the great things that have happened a long time ago or on the captivity or the bondage or the slavery or the things that are painful in the moment. He said, don't don't dwell on the, the past. We can't live there, it's done. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? And isn't that how it goes more often than not, that God is doing something that when we look back, we see what he was doing in the middle of it? We don't perceive it in the moment because of our perspective. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For him to make a way in the wilderness, you'd have to be in the wilderness. For there to be a stream in the wasteland, you'd have to be in a wasteland, in a desert in your life. And all too often we look around and think, why am I here? Maybe you're there because God has, has a bigger plan. First thing I want you to write down, burn your biography. Like, not don't actually go burn any books. We're not having like a protest today. <laughs> I thought that was funnier. Thank you. Some over here really liked it. Thank you so much. I have four friends. Burn your biography. Here's what I mean by that. Change the way you think about you. Change the way you view yourself. Change the way you think about you. If we're not careful, we will take on the thoughts of others, the perception of others, the opinions of others, or even our own past mistakes, and we'll see ourselves in our story through that filter. I found somebody in Scripture, uh, Matthew, one of the early disciples, uh, and his story intrigued me as I was getting ready for this message, and kind of an obscure reference to to connect here, but I think I can really connect with his story because Matthew, before he was a follower of Jesus, he was uh, not the most liked man. Jesus called him to follow him, and he was a tax collector. We'll read that in just a moment. Tax collectors, just for perspective, or just so you have the, the proper context, they would have been hated by their own people. He would have been employed by Rome to go and collect the taxes from his own people, and they were notorious for taxing the people even above what Rome required to fill their own pockets, to to become wealthy off of their own people. So they would have been hated. When Jesus called him, he would have been calling somebody that everybody around him hated. Verse nine says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Sometimes church people are just the worst people. I I mean, not you, just it's definitely the person sitting next to you. Somebody else down your row. I'm not talking to you, but just just go with me for a second. Like sometimes, just sometimes, we just sit around and judge people that sin differently than us. I mean, they just look at them. They're disreputable. They're sinners. They're notorious. 
We spend so much time looking out that we never look in at our own stuff and our own situation and just I'm all over your toes. That has nothing to do with hope. You're like, I don't have any hope right now. Well, I'm just trying to, I've been off for like eight weeks and so I'm back. It'll be nicer next week. <laughs> I'm lying, it won't be. If you're new here, find somebody that's been here a while. I like guess it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any nicer. It gets, we have fun at the beginning so I can punch you in the face later. We're gonna pray for healing after, it's not a big thing. <laughs> Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Yes. It's the whole goal of the church. Amen. It's not a place where we come together and talk about how good we are or how much we like our style or our thing or our whatever we believe in. It's a, it's a place for sick people to come. Like we don't do reach weekends just so we feel better and a bunch of Christians can hang out. We do reach weekend because people are hurting in our community and they need a place. I, I've heard it said from Pastor Matthew Barnett that the church is not a country club for Christians, which all too often it turns into. It's a hospital for hurting people. Like, and if you're around hurting people, guess what? Hurting people bleed and sometimes that gets on you and it's messy and it's ugly. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't fit into your little proper perspective and it didn't fit into the Pharisees' perspective. But I never wanna be in that camp. I'd rather be in the camp of, Amen. yeah, you get it. I think you got it. I think we're done. It's nothing to do with my message. I just got excited about scripture. I'm so sorry. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. It's way more about the posture of heart than the production that you can do for the kingdom of God. For I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those that know they are sinners. Gotta burn our, our, our biography, change the way you think about you. Just, just picture Matthew for a second. Like Matthew would have probably been insecure those first few uh, church service meetings. You know what I mean? Like just, just imagine Matthew. He's a tax collector, he's been stealing money, now he's following Jesus. He's walking in the building, they're like, what is he doing here? Huh. And can you imagine when the offering was passed and Matthew was in charge of it? <laughs> Not given to Matthew. I've seen your camel, it's a nice camel. <laughs> Two humps. <laughs> they would have been talking about and they would have been rumors like what is he doing? Why is he following Jesus? He's a leader? Wow. He's on the team here? Every town he went to would have been reminders of what he used to be. And if we're not careful, we'll continue to allow the enemy to rewrite the same narrative, the same biography in our life. You know, biographies used to be written after somebody had passed away and it was to commemorate them or to remember them or to honor them or to celebrate them. But now we've got all these biographies and, and all these documentaries that that are just happening while they're still alive and they're just to sell books or to, to make money. And did you know, more often than not, biographies and documentaries now are written by people and it's not authorized by the person it's about. So they write all of these things and they don't even know the person they're writing about. Think about the documentaries you see. They never interview anybody that's still in relationship with them. Former friend. <laughs> Former associate. And we just sit around and, and talk about, and we, we come to all these conclusions about this person's life for people who are talking about who they used to be. Yeah. 
And there are too many voices. There are too many narratives. There are too many biographies in your life and too many narratives of former friends. Well, you used to be like that. Well, you used to be like that. You used to say this and you used to act like that. And you used to steal and you used to lie and you used to do all these things. But I've got good news for you today, church. You do not have to live in who you used to be. That's not the gospel. You're right, that's who I was, but that's not who I am now. And what if you stopped allowing unauthorized authors to write the future of your life? Like, it doesn't matter who they say you were. You're not that person anymore. And what if you allow God, the Spirit of God, to begin to write your bio? Say, God, you write my story. You pen the pages of my life. Maybe better yet, what if you allowed him to, to dictate your story? I have, a, I have dreams of, of writing books one day, but there's no way I could sit down and type it out. Anybody else just a terrible typer like me? Like, I just don't know, I don't read so good or write so good. You know what I mean? You're like, shocker. Um, anybody else type like this? Like, Remember that game in school I taught you how to type? I still have nightmares about that game. Like, I'm so behind. Where's the E? When I plan on writing one day, I plan on having somebody in the room and I plan on saying out loud or dictating and having somebody else type it out. I want this picture to, to sit with you today. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to dictate your bio. Because he doesn't write it without you. It's his words, it's his promises, it's his will, but you and I are called to type out the details and the words. There's a part for us to play. We're not in charge, but we do have a role. And he's gonna dictate the, the future of your life and the future of what he has for you. And you're gonna sit there and type it and walk it out in obedience. That we're gonna burn the biographies, the unauthorized biographies, and we're gonna change the way we look at ourselves. We're gonna see ourselves the way God sees us. That's our next point, actually, to rewrite your history. We're gonna burn our biographies. We're gonna rewrite our history. What I mean by that is we're gonna allow God to change your perspective. How many of you heard that hindsight is 2020? 14 of you. Come on, Sanford. It's not a common statement. It's a pretty common statement. You know what I mean? If I would have, if I know now, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have done differently. Hindsight is 20 20. You ever got to the end of something and thought, I should have handled that differently? You know who's never done that? God. He doesn't have hindsight because he's never not existed and he will never not exist. So we need his perspective because he sees everything without time being in the way. Let's get theological for a second. We sang secular music in church, and I wanna make sure that we, we counterbalance that with some, just some theological terms so you feel better about <laughs> the church that you're a part of. There's three ways that we describe kind of the, the character of God or the, the bigness of God, the, the elements of God, if you will. Omnipotence omniscience and omnipresence, meaning God is all-powerful. He has supreme power and no limitations. He's all-knowing, and God is everywhere at the same time. And we think about that, or at least I do, we think about that in kind of a linear fashion that God could be in Africa and Asia and in Action Church all at the same time, and that is true. But I think the good news for our, our hope is that God is in every part of time at the same time. 
Like he's never not existed. He will never cease to exist. So he's in our past, our present, and our future. And that blows our mind logically. But when we, when we detach our faith to that, it's that God is not looking at hindsight. He's not having regret. He's not wondering what's gonna happen. He's already there. And it changes our, our perspective when we know that God is in control and he's already there and he's working things together for our good. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Philippians 3, brothers and sisters, Paul writing to the church of Philippi, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. I wrote this down in my notes. I'd love for you to do the same. You can focus on the history of the things that broke you, and that's what we do all too often. We focus on the history of things that broke us. Or you can focus on his story. See what I did there? Like history, his story. When you're getting it all day, you're getting like punch, you're getting cheesy preacher, you're getting fails, theological terms. It's well-rounded. It's well-rounded. It's a good summer off. I'm back. I got seven courtesy laughs. That was way better than you gave me credit for. You laughed way harder at the camel thing, and that was dumb. So back to serious. You can focus on the history of the things that broke you, or you can focus on his story of the things that built you. So you can't change what happens to you, but you can change your perspective of it. You can allow God to change your perspective of everything. Like maybe you, you lost a job in this COVID season. Maybe you're sitting in, the, in a row with somebody who has just lost their job. Maybe it's a previous season for you and God put you in that situation so you can encourage somebody that you may have lost something now, but that's because God has something better for your future. Like maybe you didn't, you didn't make the team, like I didn't make the basketball team in ninth grade. Still believe it was the coach's fault. Definitely. <laughs> I had a problem with passing when I was younger. You know what I mean? I just never saw a shot that I didn't like. I was always open. <laughs> coach didn't understand I was open. Maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe God has something he's developing you as a young person, some character, how to deal with loss or disappointment or failure because he's shaping something. Maybe it's a painful relationship loss or somebody's walked out on you or changed their, their mind. Maybe you're going through a sickness, you're suffering, and you don't understand why. Maybe God's put you in that place to have some empathy and maybe put you in that place to be missional and minister to those that are hurting. It's a, it's a perspective change. Romans 8 says this, it says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are, have been called according to his purpose. So you gotta get to the end first. You, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, which means we have to surrender our will to God's will. He's not just working it for good for anybody. It's those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It means doing the things of God. Loving God and, and loving people. He's working everything for good. But it goes in the first part of the verse, we skip over this, it says all things. Everybody say all. All, all things. All. See, we think it's just the good things. God's working the good things for godly people because that's all he does. He always does good things for godly people. Nothing ever bad happens, even though it's not biblical at all. No, it's all things. Which means we have to be in a wilderness for him to make a way. We've gotta be in a dry season for him to provide some water. Amen. We've gotta be hurting or sick for him to be a healer. Amen. Some things have to die so he can prove his resurrection power. Like It's all the things. And here's the thing, we, we give up and we lose hope, and I've, you've heard this before, but if, if you're not dead, God's not done. 
Like when he's done with you, you won't be here. But until then, he's still working on your behalf. Let me take it a step further. If it's not good in your life, God's not done writing the story. You say, that, that's just, that's too good to be true. It's not. I work all things together for the good. Now, it may be a temporary good. It may be a next season good. It may be an eternal good. But I promise you, if it's not good yet, God is not done with that chapter of your life. Don't put the pen down. Don't stop typing. Don't give up. I have hope because God is in the picture and I have a perspective that only comes from him. And that hope that comes from a perspective change and that perspective change, get this church, comes from the presence of God. It does not come from principals. It does not come from pastors. It does not come from self-help. It does not come from peers. It comes from the presence of God. The only way, the only way your perspective can change in a failure, in a disappointment, in a season that doesn't meet your expectations is the presence of God. And practically, we're, we're giving the church 21 days to, to see God add some hope, some faith, some courage to your life. Because we're starting 21 days of prayer tomorrow at all of our locations, all of our permanent locations, 6.30 a.m., Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. on Saturday, we'll be here praying. I believe the power and the presence of God can change your expectations. We're also doing encounter night. I can't wait to preach encounter it this Wednesday, make plans to be here. We have an encounter with God, and I believe that encounter can change our, our perspective. We gotta burn our biographies. We gotta allow God to begin to rewrite our history. And here's the last one. We gotta light up our wildest dreams. We gotta light up our wildest dreams. Here's the point here. Let yourself dream again. Yeah, let yourself dream again. What has kept you from dreaming? What is it? What is it in your life that has happened to you that you, you need a different perspective on? Don't give up on the dreams that God's put on the inside of you. If hope deferred makes the heart sick, hope found can make the heart healthy. Ephesians 3 talks to us about how we're supposed to, to ask God for things and to include him in things. See, we think about dreams and we think about the presence of God and the promises of God. We think about our prayer requests and we think, well, I'm gonna, maybe it's just me. We think, I'm gonna ask God for some small things so I can be sure that he gets them and that I get them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, but we, we, we picture God like he's like in the same finiteness or, or human restriction, like, you ever asked your parents, like, I'm not gonna ask them for this, but I, they'll say yes to this. Nobody else is like that? <laughs> or like you start big, but you're like, nah, just kidding. Can I have $1,000? Just kidding. Can I have $10? Yes, $10, great. We ask God for small things. Has it ever occurred to you that there is no small or big things for God? Like he holds the whole universe in his hands. He spoke and the world was created. Like our request, they're not small or big, they're just requests. So we're thinking, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll tone down my dreams. I'll tone down my hope. I think God's saying, no, I'm, I, he wants to. He wants to meet you at the level of your expectations. So what do we have to do? We have to raise the level of our expectations. Yes. Ephesians 3 says, now to him, that's God, who is able to do immeasurably more. Like you can't measure it. It's the definition of immeasurable. <laughs> immeasurably more and all we ask or even imagine. That means you can't even make something up that he can't do. That's good news to me. 
Like in my situation that I may not know how to get through it, but he says I can ask him for anything and it's immeasurably more, it's bigger. I'm just giving you permission to have some hope and to dream again. That you serve a good God who loves you, who is using everything in your life for your benefit and for your good. It may be painful now, but he's using it because it has a purpose in the future. Trusting you with it. And just think about some, some biblical characters. For that. Think about Joseph sold into slavery, lied about, falsely accused, put in prison. If he wasn't in prison, he never would have been in the place he needed to be to be in the palace when he ruled second command of all of Egypt. He would not have gotten that position if he stayed on the farm. He had to go through what he went through to get what God had for him, both in his placement and in the posture of his heart. Until he went through the pain, God could not elevate him to the palace. And we wonder, why am I going through this? Because God is developing something. He's not causing it, but he does allow it for your benefit because he has something bigger for you. And I ask him for more. Got to dream again. He changes some things. Uh, Jim did a great job. We'll close with this thought. Jim did a, uh, a great job with that, his lyrics. There's a, over and over again, it says, Mama says, I thought about doing like some like, you know, mama jokes, but my mom goes to this church and so I did not do that. <laughs> and uh, thought about telling some stories what my mom said. Again, she's here at the church, so I didn't do that. Then I, could, I couldn't help but think about the critically acclaimed Academy Award, should have been nominated, barely missed out, Waterboy. <laughs> what a performance. <laughs> Remember? Mama says girls are the devil. <laughs> Mama says alligators are so ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> Mama said some dumb things in that movie, but Mama said some great things in this song. Like Mama was preaching through that song. You're thinking, why would we sing that song? Because my Mama was preaching. I don't know whose mom that was, but she had some good lines. Come on, you need this today. Mama said, don't give up even if it's a little complicated. Don't stop. Come on, here's the next one. Didn't have a dime, but I always had a vision. You know, I think God does his, his best work in the, the tightest limitations. Come on, you have to get creative when you're poor. You know what I mean? Come on, when you're young or just not young, but it's poor. <laughs> like, you gotta really plan. You can't just say, well, take whatever. You're gonna know we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna stop here. Like, God does his best work, his most creative work. Like, I don't, I don't have much, but God, you have access to everything. I may not have a dime, but I, but I have a vision of what God could do. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. I don't know how I'm gonna do that business or how I'm gonna become this person or how I'm gonna get that education or how I'm gonna get over this thing, but I know that God has a plan for me and he's writing a story. I may not have a dime, but I, but I have a vision of who I could be. Come on, a few more. Didn't know how, because we never do. That's God's job. I don't know how. I just know I'm supposed to do it. It's obedience. I didn't know how, but I always had a feeling that I was gonna be one in a million. And you are. I don't care what the former friend said. I don't care what the former family member said. 
I don't care what was written about your past. God has a plan for your future. He doesn't make copies. He doesn't make mistakes. And he didn't start with you. If you're still here, God still has a plan. You are one in a million. And that's not cheesy. That's true. I prayed you on purpose and for a purpose. And you will not find fulfillment. Your hope will always be deferred until you find the vision and the longing and the passion that God put on the inside of you. They said it's all been done, but they haven't seen the best of me. It hasn't all been done because you haven't done it yet. Last one, my favorite one. I've got one more run, and it's gonna be a sight to see. What would you do with one more run, one more page, one more chance? I just believe there's some Matthews in this room. Sanford right now. South Orlando, you've been, this is a fresh revelation, so if this doesn't make sense, just, just remove it from the, from the notes. Matthew spent his life stealing. And from this moment forward, after you hear this message, if you don't begin using the gifts, the talents, the hope, the passion God has for you, you are stealing from your creator because he gave those, you those things to be used. And you're collecting and stealing the very things. I don't care how successful you are, how good your business is, how happy you are. If you're not using it for God's glory, you are stealing the gift he gave you. There's Matthews in this room. There's talent in this room. There's resource in this room. There are dreams in this room and you've allowed somebody to say something or you've allowed a focus on yourself, a perspective of self-fulfillment. Something's in the way and God is saying, not today, get out of your booth, get out of your comfort zone and come and follow me. I just believe that there are Josephs in this room and you've been in a prison of pain, but God is developing something in you that is stronger than you think, that is deeper than you think and he is building a character and a passion and an endurance and a perseverance that he's gonna use in your future. I know that life can beat you down. Trust me. I know. But I know that God is really good at building things back up. So hope is coming your way. If you will allow God to begin to write your story, to change your narrative and your perspective and open up your eyes to the dreams he has for you. starts, that access to God writing the story starts with a relationship with Jesus. I wanna give you that opportunity right now at Winter Park, Sanford South, Oviedo, worshiping online. Would you bow your heads wherever you are? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say, Pastor, I, I want some hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick and I'm sick. Tired, lonely, discouraged. I don't know where you are today, but I know that Jesus does. He died on a cross so you'd never have to walk through anything alone again. Jesus, the perfect son of God, and that's important that he lived a perfect life because you and I as unholy people could never be reconciled to a holy God. So his life was important. For 33 years, he lived sinless so he could be the perfect sacrifice. His body broken, his blood shed as an atonement for our sins. He died in our place. Like you and I deserve that. It wasn't just the religious leaders of the day or the crowd that put Jesus on the cross. It was your sin and my sin. He died that day so that you and I could be in right relationship with God. 
The cross bridges the gap. It gives us access to grace and mercy, forgiveness and salvation. What I love about the central figure of our faith, Jesus, is he does not stay in the grave. There's no monument, no tombstone. Three days later, he rose from the dead and his resurrection gives us power. It says the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can live inside of you and live inside of me. And that, that resurrection gives us power over sin to live differently and over the grave that death has lost its sting, that we have an inheritance in heaven and the power to live differently on our way there. Our job is to come into a relationship with Jesus. How do we do that? We surrender. It's very clear that we surrender control. In fact, Romans 10 says it like this. It says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. And that word Lord is very important. I need you to hear me very clearly. Jesus is your friend. He is your savior. All of that is true. But to come into a relationship with him, you have to confess him as Lord. You have to say, not my ways, but your ways. You write the story. I'll type out the words. It's Lord. If you wanna do that today, for the first time ever, confess Jesus as your Lord, control of your life. I'll give you an opportunity just a moment. Others of you, you've lost some hope. Hope has been deferred because you've been distracted. And today, today where you recommit your life to Jesus, I'm changing my perspective, I'm changing the narrative because I'm placing you in the dead center of my life. You are on the throne, you are in control. So for the first time, by recommitting your life for the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand right where you are? I don't know who I'm praying with today. I want a relationship with Jesus. I got one, two, three, four, I want five, six, seven, eight, must be 10, 12 on the floor, several more in the stadium. Come on, raise them high. Got you in the middle. Proud of you, man. See you back there, man. Great, 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 great. Come on, Sanford, just a moment. South Orlando, Oviedo. Come on in a parking lot right now, worshiping online with your family and your home. Make a decision to follow Jesus today. You can put your hands down. Would you pray this in your hearts? I pray it out loud. Say something like this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge today that I am a sinner and I am saved only by your grace. I am confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place in my life, complete and total control. God, have your way. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us. God, I pray that you give us some higher hopes this week. Come on, give us a picture of your goodness, your faithfulness, practical wins. Come on, practical, supernatural moves of God. God, change our situation or change our perspective, but either way, move in such a way that we're renewed and filled with hope and courage and a new filter on this next chapter, this next season of life. God, we love you. We thank you for meeting us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all of the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.